There's, of course, another portion to my whole coffee story that I didn't really tell the last time. And it's that near the end of my tenure at Pete's Coffee and Tea, I had a friend named Chris. Chris Myers. Who introduced me to another friend of his named Pam Amani. And the two of those gentlemen introduced me to the concept of cooperative business. And we sat down and talked through what it would be like to take over an already existing cafe that they worked at and turn it into a co-op. So we sat down with a mixed crew of people and tried to hash out what it would be like to take over this existing cafe and turn it into this idealized cooperative cafe. And who boy did the ideas fly. Not only were we going to serve tons of food, it was also going to be a venue space and an activity space and like an anarchist book place and a meeting space for the community. Everything you could think of anarchist-oriented, cooperatively bound together through our pursuits as a union. So many ideas. So much passion. So much lack of resources. Now, when we first started, we thought we were going to take over this place called Nomad Cafe because the owner was looking to sell his cafe, and there was a group of seven of us, one of them who had access to a partner that had a great deal of capital, and all of us sat and did this brainstorming session and came up with these great ideas, and we were just like, yeah, we're going to go in there. We know what they make already. We know how much money they make. We know how we can do it better. We're just going to go in and kill it. And... Um, as it turned out, like, after several months of just planning sessions, meeting once a week, and talking it out, um, at the end of it, only Chris, Pyme, and I, we were the only people left, uh, still kind of brainstorming, wanting to do it, and really, really, like, driven to, like, keep the plan moving. Eventually, out of, like, the seven people, three were left. So we needed to sort of start from scratch, find another group of people, and uh, really start brainstorming again. As it turned out, when we did find a second group of people, by that time, the owner had decided to sell Nomad Cafe to somebody else. And so we were out of luck on that space, but we began a new brainstorming session with a whole group of four other dedicated individuals started looking at spaces, going through and putting together a business plan and then taking that business plan around to places that were for lease and 
trying to figure out, hey, is this spot going to work? Is that spot going to work? How are we going to get the capital? And just sort of trying to see if we could apply for an SBA loan and do all that hard work. But after several months of trying to do that, well, oh, sh- it. We were out of luck again. The folks that we had brainstormed with and kind of put all that stuff together with, well, most of them applied to grad programs that got in and bailed out on the project. So Chris, Pyam, and I were once again stuck alone trying to trying to work it out. So we kind of came up with this idea where we were like, hey, our intellectual time is worth something. And we can't have people walk in, use up our time, and then walk out. So we decided that if you were going to come in and spend time like brainstorming with us, that we'd already put together so much roadway and work into coming up with this project and having all these parameters for it, that there should be a barrier to entry a price. And so we set that price at $300 because we talked to a lawyer and the lawyer said that was the most we could charge. And so basically we went and legally uh, incorporated as a co-op, um, came up with this price for a share and went and interviewed other people to see if they wanted to buy in on this idea that we were selling of like a cafe that we were going to make. Um, as it turned out, that was sort of the magical formula to get people to follow through on work was having a cost associated with the work they were going to do. So rather than sitting at the table and being able to chat it out and then be able to leave whenever they want, there was a buy-in and that got people to stick it out. So we found three more individuals, Caleb. Rob and one more dude. <laughs> um, and so by the end of that next like couple of months, we finally had our team. So we brainstormed with our team for a while and what we ended up coming up with was that we were not going to be able to raise the capital we needed to start a cafe right off the bat and that going through the SBA process was just too like hair pullingly difficult for us all working full-time jobs. So what we ended up coming up with was the idea that we could build a farmer's market cart and start in the way in which a lot of small coffee companies had started in the Bay Area. So we decided to do a Kickstarter and then hand build the cart ourselves. So in the meantime, uh, between while the Kickstarter was running and other stuff was happening, what I did is started throwing uh, fundraising concerts in our backyard and at like the cafe and at some other spots to like bring us in some visibility and some like basic revenue to try and get things flowing. 
Um, it started getting us what we needed to, to begin working on the cart. So by the time the Kickstarter was finished, we had enough money and supplies to like really almost be partially done with it. And so we got our 10,000, we built the cart, we got the espresso machine, everything was good to go. And we even like secured a space that we could do it at. We found this biofuel oasis spot and um, we went there and started serving coffee a couple days a week and kept that up for a few months. What we ended up finding out though was that doing a coffee cart four days a week outside of a little alternative fuel gas station that's also a feed store in, you know, uh, Northwest Berkeley isn't actually that lucrative. So then we figured, you know, well, what can we do with this cart? Well, what we figured out was that there's a little bit of a loophole in the Oakland Municipal Code for kiosks, for mobile kiosks and carts. And it's that you can attach them, if the place is zoned for retail, to a retail space uh, permanently. And so we found a small, super, super, super cheap retail space that was <laughs> about uh, 550 square feet, uh, maybe closer to 450 square feet, really tiny, uh, on, on Adeline, and, uh, we, we pushed our little cart inside, repainted the whole thing, uh, just made it all work, like, rewired, got everything running, like, figured out how to make our cart's water system work with, with the water that was at the facility, figured out how to dump our chum there, get all our dishes done at a commissary, and just basically get through the health code stuff and have basically what could be considered a brick and mortar cafe, although it was questionable. So suddenly we had our own space and there we were serving coffee, verve coffee, mind you, and doing our thing. And we chilled out in that space for two years and really created our own little culture, created our own little thing. We're doing the co-op things. We're meeting every week, talking about ideas, trying to move things forward. Everybody had their own place at the table. It was sort of just this very, very, uh, you know, almost, I don't want to say hippie, but I want to say like, um, democratic vibe. And it was cool. A lot of stuff came from that. We ended up raising another $10,000, moving into a new space, borrowing 10 more, building out that space, expanding the cafe. Um, over time, I developed a roasting program and we became the alchemy collective that we sort of were until I left. Uh, and the co-op has continued to grow and do what it's doing. And I've been gone for a couple of years and I'm really stoked at how much they've progressed and where they're at. And, um, right now I, I think that the only person that's left from the original team, uh, 
that was there is, you know, uh, Chris at this point. Um, the whole team has turned over. There, there was a period where we had so many great people. I mean, like, we had uh, Kim Upstill from Bitch Kitchen, like, working there at one time. And uh, this this person, Pavo, who was just so fantastic, who ended up taking over the roasting program for me um, for the last couple of years. I think uh, they actually ended up turning it over to somebody else. We had a really, really great person that was so focused on food, uh, Cole, and he was just the best, and I mean, um, everybody brought so much to it. Oh, oh, my friend Jerry, I can't forget my friend Jerry. Jerry was just like fantastic with customer service and just always like so dedicated to like being part of the process. And of course, my friend Stefan that I brought on from his own uh, company, Foxhound in Nevada County, he was down kind of learning how to like run a business more uh, democratically and, and it was just so cool to like have all these different people from so many different places, like bringing all their passion for running a business together into one place. And yeah, I loved it a lot. And I ended up leaving so that I could pursue um, a training job at Blue Bottle Coffee Company, which was like a big step for me and it was really great. And I'm just so happy at this point to, to see where the co-op has gone, uh, especially without me. To see where they've grown and yeah I, I hope that if you're listening to this you check out Alchemy Collective Cafe and go check out their their coffee and uh, check out their website and check out their Instagram and all their social media and like you know give them give them a shout out they're, they're great folks and they're working hard they're over there at Alcatraz and Ellis in Berkeley California <laughs>